welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia and this is my co-host Morgan. Hello. So this week we're going to be talking about the Olympics, which is kind of Morgan's religion that reawakens <laughs> like the Kraken every two slash four years. Um, and now he's come back in full force with an amazing kind of crossover with political upheaval in Rio at the same time, making it a constant knife edge between positive emotional sports and terrifying real world drama. And yes. also a weird crossover within that with Ryan Lochte, who I think is kind of the first thing we're going to be discussing today because OMG. Yeah, I think we have to start there. There's so much else to discuss, but it, we would be remiss to not begin with whatever the fuck is going on with yeah. Ryan Lochte. So like, even I, as someone who not only does not follow sports, but is barely even following the Olympics, even I know who Ryan Lochte is. But for those who don't know he's basically Zoolander from the movie Zoolander <laughs> but a yes. professional Olympic swimmer yeah so Ryan Lochte is widely agreed to be the second best swimmer of all time he's got 12 Olympic medals I think I think the closest person after that has nine there are a couple people of nine and Michael Phelps has 23 so Michael Phelps is out ahead but Ryan Lochte has a lot but he's always kind of been like the bridesmaid never the bride but he really sort of reached his peak in 2012 there was a lot of attention on him at that point and he is perhaps the most transcendently stupid public figure that america has ever produced i don't think i'm exaggerating like it is truly astonishing what this man is capable of like i just don't even know where to begin we're we'll gonna, put some, we're gonna it, link some videos in the notes but there's some really astonishing oh. interviews with this man <laughs> He's just so, so kind of pure. And I had always sort of felt like, which was slightly disproven by recent events, which we will describe, that he was sort of fundamentally benign because he really comes across as like so dumb that it's not even like there's it's he's not doesn't really seem malicious, which I actually still feel is sort of somewhat true. Like his recent his recent problems don't even strike me as like he went out looking for trouble. Like I think he's just an idiot, like such an idiot, and not in the sense that he's like secretly a good guy. Like he's just dumb, so dumb. So what happened was he came to Rio. He didn't qualify for anything except one individual race. Then he was put in a relay. He didn't even get on the medal stand in this individual race, which is not expected. He gave. An interview after this, which, like, they interviewed them after they sort of cut out of the pool. It was genuinely, like, sad. Like, he clearly was very upset in a way that I, I was I was quite moved. I was like, oh, you're so stupid. And this so is, like, this oh, man I, is 32 like, years old. This is his last Olympics. And his other career options are a shoe line of shoes that he's designed, the neon colors. And potentially reality TV, which he did try before. And he, and like, yeah, and he tried to trademark his catchphrase, which is yeah, which is the word yeah <laughs> with a J instead of a Y. Yeah. Oh, and the one last thing we should say about him before moving into current events is that when he won all his medals in London, he won several that Olympics. I don't remember the number. Um, he had a grill that he wore for his medal ceremonies that was like had diamonds like an American flag. Yeah, on. he's like the Joker, but patriotic. It was amazing. It was really stellar. And there was, at that Olympics, they did a sort of like, sort of 
package content puff piece thing with him and John McEnroe. It was maybe the most basic thing I've ever seen on television in which he showed off this grill and also his shoe line. And I think there was some kind of athletic demonstration with like a tire and some chains. And I, I wish I could find this online, but NBC like scrubs all of their content. I'll look for it again. If I can find it, we'll link it. But like John McEnroe is a very intelligent man and also totally no bullshit. And I have never seen anyone sort of conducting one of these interviews who was so totally like, I cannot believe I am being forced to talk to someone this dumb. Like, what the fuck? And meanwhile, Ryan Lochte is like dragging a tire around. Like, what? He's honestly interview proof. Right. Like, you can't get anything out of him. Because I've read interviews with Ryan Lochte where you can just feel the pain of the interviewer because they've dragged a quote out of him. And then they have to, like, fabricate an article about around it. But it's him talking about how he, like, really enjoys a particular flavour of, like, water additive or something. <laughs> so what happened, as many of you, perhaps most of you, will be aware, is that he was out with three other American swimmers, all of whom are considerably younger than him. Again, this is a 32-year-old man. In Rio a couple nights ago, as of the taping of this podcast, which I'm sure will be wildly updated by the time it actually goes up, but what can you do? And they claimed that they had been robbed and held at gunpoint. The way this story got out was that they didn't say anything initially, or I believe report anything to police. His mother tweeted about it. So clearly something happened and he told his mom what turned out to be a lie because he didn't want to admit the real truth to his mother. His mother, apparently a totally credulous woman, despite Ryan Lochte being her son, believed it was upset and tweeted about it. So the story he gave was that he and his friends were held up at gunpoint by a group of men who like introduced themselves as real police and then basically mugged them. And then yes. they kind of had to go down in the ground. And then apparently Ryan Lochte said, I quote, whatever. Yes. That was his a description of his attitude towards being held at gunpoint, which was also plausible. And the whole right. scenario of the kind of people disguised as, as cops holding people at gunpoint, we were like, yep, this basically sounds like something that's happening in Rio right now. Because there right. were like all these accounts of people like being mugged either by police or people who were dressed as police or just generally kind of having to handle like kind of like low-level crime because they didn't know how to operate in Rio because they just arrived and they were idiot tourists and there's quite a lot of crime. So that turned out to not be true. And all of sort of yesterday night, I guess, like weird new details were coming out and no one could tell what was true and what wasn't. And it was truly a wild time on Twitter for like four hours. Everyone was sort of like, the rate of Ryan Lochte jokes, I was kind of like, we're going to give ourselves a collective sprain like everyone needs to calm down but what it seems like actually took place was something along the lines of they were really drunk in like a convenience store or like a gas station bathroom they broke down the door to get to the toilet they maybe urinated all over the floor it's unclear to me and then didn't want to pay for the damage and the security guard was like no you definitely have to pay for the damage there was some kind of altercation then they did pay for the damage and then lied about being held at gunpoint although again i don't think they were going to go public with that story except that ryan lochte's mother was like my child has been held at gunpoint and then they ran with it and now there's an international incident as a result of all yeah. of this happening. Yeah, oh my god. So the other two swimmers <laughs> are not being allowed to leave Brazil. Right. Ryan Lochte already got to Florida 
And like, he's just back he's to posting Instagram videos again. Yes. Like, dumb Instagram videos of him with his dyed, like, silver hair, incidentally. That was the other thing he did for this Olympics. No one knows. It's all a mystery. I love his hair. It's <laughs> So, obviously, there are, like, serious ramifications of this in the sense that this is not good behavior. And also, he's a white dude who is seemingly just getting away with pulling this kind of crap in Brazil and the sense that everyone is finding this hilarious. Whereas if this were not a white person, many people have pointed out the response would probably be quite different. All of which is totally valid. And the head of the U S Olympic committee, I think, I think it was him, not the swimming guy was kind of like, Oh, but the kids had fun that they made a mistake. It's fine. And everyone was like, Ryan Lochte is 32. You're not a child. Of yeah, 30. He's literally old enough to be like father to the Olympic gymnast team. But at the same time, it is very funny. The whole, like, I mean, them doing this is not funny, but the whole saga has been undeniably, I feel humorous he's an intrinsically humorous character right which is why he gets like so much coverage when there are i mean obviously he's also an incredible swimmer but like and while it's totally absurd to refer to him as a kid and i'm not defending that like a tiny part of me can understand why if you spent regular time with ryan lochte you would sort of think of him that way because anyone who has looked at his twitter for more than five seconds Clearly, he has the mental and emotional maturity of around a 14-year-old boy, which is not an excuse. Once you're 32, like, I'm sorry that you have to be an adult. But he's not. But he is. And it's a, it's an amazing conundrum. Like, we could just talk in circles about this forever. <laughs> so, by the time you listen to this, God only knows what more will have occurred. I'm will hoping he, it's not something I, really dark. Like, I really hope so, too. <laughs> like, that would be a sad conclusion to his Olympic career. I We all just want a, a funny story this summer and not more just, like, depressing nonsense. Because all the lead-up to this was high-quality entertainment for us on Twitter the past couple of days. Oh, my God. What a saga. But that does kind of tie into the general kind of Olympics lead-up stuff which has been the just like massive clusterfuck of Rio, which has been getting coverage or was getting coverage, I guess, for like months leading up to the Olympics. Um, and seems at least from a like television perspective, which is of course completely skewed, not to have wound up being a massive crisis, which always seems to happen with the Olympics. Like, and again, has to do with what we're seeing on TV and not what's actually going on, of course. But I feel like every Olympics, there's like 15 crises that everyone thinks are going to be the end of the world. And then somehow they manage to pull it off just because like sheer force of will is like the Olympics can't. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, like kind of not, a huge like, case of like when you have to tidy your room because someone's going to come. So just all of the trash goes in the wardrobe. Right. But if anyone opens the wardrobe, it's going to fall out and it's still there when they leave. So... I mean, everything, yes. <laughs> like all of the problems that people were worried about with, it was kind of a trifecta, right? So it was like corruption in local government and the police department, yes. still a problem. Zika, still a huge problem. And then like all of the environmental concerns, like there was definitely still pollution concerns and like a lot of the water stuff. And like, you know, one of the diving pools went green, but there's no- That was because someone tossed hydrogen peroxide in it 
actually... I thought it was because it turned out to be algae because the uh, chlorine no, didn't work properly. No, it's hydrogen oxide. Okay. As the last I heard. It was all very peculiar. But yes, to all the other stuff. Yeah. The, those minor issues. There weren't any concerns. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, none of the, like, base problems underneath this have been in any way solved. It reminds me a lot. I mean, I always think of, like, when the Olympics were in Beijing, which was one of the most fascinating cases of this, because China took those Olympics basically to, like, show off to the world at large and say, like, we're a big global power and you should take us seriously, which obviously they are. But it super backfired, I think, because what wound up happening was that there was, like, a ton of scrutiny on them in a way that was not necessarily positive. And their Olympic village and everything was totally beautiful. Like they, they, there were no sort of construction problems or anything like that, which there were big time in Sochi two years yeah, ago. I mean, there were, there um, were like flocks of wolves. Like it was <laughs> bad. Everyone was getting stuck in elevators. Like the sidewalk was collapsing. Like that was kind of the worst case of that in recent history i think whereas kind of in rio a lot of people have just had all of their like possessions stolen and stuff yeah it's happened to quite a lot of athletes and kind of IOC yeah. officials yeah which is not good um but the buildings haven't collapsed which yes. is just <laughs> um but in beijing there were no problems like that but what they did was like they literally pumped the smog out of that like part of the city and just like dumped it on the suburbs essentially not the right word but like the outskirts and so the poor people out there were getting like all of beijing's smog dumped on them like i mean what they did for the london olympics was they like physically removed all the homeless people from london yeah to make it more tourist friendly and i mean there was a bunch of other stuff that i don't remember because it was four years ago but like obviously every modern Olympics is just kind of a fiasco from that perspective. Like even the ones that go off relatively smoothly because the whole thing is about like making your country look really amazing and also hopefully making money. But in order to make money, you have to just like pretend that everything's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, I don't really understand why anyone wants to host them because I think the statistic is... It's such a gamble. Is, well, I think the statistic is that you typically make around half the amount of money that you spend. Someone told me that. I'm not sure. But like that makes around that makes sense to me because the amount of money that gets spent on all of those facilities. Right. It's insane. Like and no one ever fucking uses like the beach volleyball stadium again. Right. Nothing's happening there. And there are a bunch of amazing photos. We'll link to some of these of like old stadiums in various places that have just become completely run down. Sochi is a ghost town, but even other places like Athens, which is obviously like, I mean, Greece has its problems, but it's a functional city. And even in countries that are not having Greece's problems. I mean, there's several, like, there's several like Olympic just, places in Athens yeah. that are now refugee camps. The baseball stadium is a very large refugee camp. Yeah. I mean, Montreal uses or has generally been using one of its big stadiums, obviously Los Angeles. Like those are places where they have uses for some of those big things but in order to actually have a functional olympics there are so many events and some of them have such specific requirements that you have to build places that are weird like it, it's not like building a track stadium which you could basically repurpose for a bunch of stuff so that's a huge cost and then they always promise affordable housing is like the payoff right for having an olympics and it never happens 
like it just doesn't occur. It's like the carrot they dangle in front of the public to be like, it'll be worth it. And then don't follow up on. Um, yeah, and like with Rio, there were just tons and tons of protests beforehand because people were just like, we already have a lot of problems. Please don't increase these problems by spending a fuck ton of money on like a bunch of stadiums. Yes. So the Olympics are a problem. <laughs> the IOC is really corrupt. And so I think if they somehow manage to fix that to a degree and then also like there are ways they could hold them that would be less of a problem. And I think one of the I think one of the ways that you could majorly fix this would just be to pick like six to eight cities that can actually handle it from an infrastructure perspective and just switch between them and somehow make it worthwhile for those cities to do that. Like, I don't know what that would be if everybody chips in, whatever. Obviously that's like a big toll on them, but someplace like Sochi, like what the fuck? Sochi is a nothing place. And they decided to have an Olympics there, right? Like that's just insane. Um, Because the Olympics are not going to stop happening. Like they're they're gonna continue, but having somewhere like Rio do them is just irresponsible. Like they well, were never. Let's see way. how the Qatar Football World Cup goes. Right, <laughs> like where people physically will not be able to play. Yeah, I oh my god! But like I remember when they announced that Rio was gonna get them because they announced like six years in, ahead. But like I I remember this, and everyone at the time was like, "This is gonna be a mess. There's no way even in six years they're gonna be able to do this." And they pulled it off. But again, like the the underlying problems have not been solved. It's just not. It's not good. But the upshot is that everyone loves the Olympics, so that's good. <laughs> Especially in America, which I feel is a good segue to sort of um, yes. talk about like the actual sport side of stuff, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of what the Olympics are about, which is yes. kind of an interesting period in me and Morgan's friendship, because I'm like, I am totally here for like sports narratives and stories about athletes, but like, I cannot like watch a sport. <laughs> like when I came to stay with like Morgan for a few days in the oh US, my God. I did, I was in the room while tennis was being watched. But, like, I just, it's just a ball, like, traveling between <laughs> locations, right? <laughs> but Morgan is very invested in, like, both sports and the Olympics. I think we're going to have, like, a wee interview now. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, first we should talk about NBC a little bit. Because that ties into the general, like, Rio thing, right? Because NBC definitely will sort of be like, yeah, they're so, Rio has some um, problems. And then they just, like, never mention it again, which is really funny. But they also, like, this has been a big thing this time. Like, everyone complains about NBC's coverage and has since I remember watching the Olympics. But it's become very interesting in, like, the streaming era, right? Because what they do is they just chop up stuff that happened over the day and put it on at night. Which is increasingly not really viable, right? Yeah. Because and everyone also like Twitter. so. What the BBC does like, is they basically just show the whole event with commentary or potentially not even with commentary, right? Yeah. Which is how it should be, right? It's just you just show the sport and people watch the sport, <laughs> right? And on the like, I do kind of understand because like people with full time jobs cannot be watching gymnastics at one in the afternoon. Like it's it's not gonna happen. At the same time. Like, what winds up happening, and this has become increasingly hilarious to me as I get older and can, like, read what's going on, is that if they decide to show something, it's because it's either crazy dramatic or, more likely, an American has meddled. So, the men's gymnastics, 
they don't like showing unless an American has meddled. And so sometimes they just won't show it at all. Or at like 1130 at night, they'll be like, we're going to show you a tiny bit of the men's gymnastics. And you'll Which be I like, was really amused by because I, I remember at like the last Olympics, there was all this sort of like people were being all snooty because it's like, oh, did you see that like Chinese like state television didn't show like the they, they, they showed it. So it made it look like one of the like Chinese athletes had won when actually she was fourth and they just cut it so that like you couldn't see the three short swimmers in front. And I'm like. NBC is literally removing Americans who, like, don't win. <laughs> like, people are not exclusively watching out of patriotism. <laughs> it's really just, like, terrible. I mean, the, like, myopic focus on the American athletes is during the two-week period of the Olympics, everyone becomes, like, a crazy jingoistic, like, America, USA, USA, like, myself included. We It happens to all of us. But also but, everyone becomes, like, like, an expert in, like, shot putt, right? So it's like, you right. know, you know that you're missing out. <laughs> like, and so it's really dumb that they, like, that, like, part of what is appealing also, though, is that there are all these people with these crazy, like, stories that aren't necessarily from the United States, and sometimes it's susceptible to show them. So, I was going to talk about this later, but I will talk about it now. The best thing I have seen in the Olympics was the men's individual floor exercise in gymnastics, which I encourage all of you to watch, regardless of whether you have ever watched a sport before. Like, I don't care if you, like, whatever, doesn't matter. So, I'm going to spoil it also, like, it doesn't, it's fine, what happened, because this has also been all over the internet, so people have probably heard, but what happened was two Brazilian gymnasts wound up meddling completely by surprise. Like, it was not expected. And I have never seen two people more excited about anything in my entire life. Like, the tears that were shed, the hyperventilating. Like, I was, and I knew when it happened, but just watching them wait to see if they were going to make it on. Like, one of them was curled up in a fetal position on the ground. Like, the other one was, like, praying frantically. Like, oh, my God, I was losing it. Like, you don't have to even appreciate what they're doing on the floor exercise. You could, frankly, probably skip that part, although they're not good. <laughs> like, you're just watching these two men. I was just dying. And NBC actually did show that because they clearly were like, this is fucking, like, primo <laughs> action. But that's the kind of stuff, that, like... I don't care where you're from in the world. Like you could watch that and just be like, Oh my God. Like he's like, by the time the American guy went, I don't see how anyone in America could have been rooting for him. Right. Like, you no, know, <laughs> want these Brazilian men to like stay on the podium. Um, so it is, it becomes like a weird, a weird thing. And then like, Oh my God. And the opening ceremonies, like listening to the today show people like make weird comments about all the, like countries coming in that were just like about how America interacts with them or just like really demeaning, like the Djibouti comment or, you know, I, I mean, mean, I've just seen so many endless. people complaining about different aspects of the coverage. There was one where there was like a lesbian athlete who like hugged her wife in the stands after winning something. And the NBC commentator described her as her husband. And it's like, this is clearly what? a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like oh, literally just, God. and there was like, and there's been other cases where it's like, they've just kind of sanitized like coverage. Cause obviously they love doing these backstories like reality yeah. TV. So there's definitely been ones where they literally just like erase the fact that the athlete is gay. Because in the Olympics, you actually just can be openly gay. Whereas in like yeah. football, you can't. But like in the Olympics, yeah. there's actually quite a lot of gay athletes. There was some swimmer, I think it was, who like her 
kind of like she'd done like advocacy for mental health because she was like you know I struggled a lot with depression and you know I've you know I've been dealing with this like all the way through my career and I feel like it's a really great achievement and they like just didn't mention it because it was like too like it's just too like intense it's like what do you want like it's fine if like a parent has cancer or something but you can't talk about mental illness like jesus christ they did actually discuss that with one of the swimmers but in general yes there are a lot there are a lot of issues also like the main thing i learned because i'd never seen any of this like obviously i'd never seen like nbc coverage until i think it was probably like the last winter olympics because i do actually have some interest in things that happen at ice but like, yeah. I didn't realize that the Hunger Games noise was like copied off the NBC Olympics noise. Uh, <laughs> so it's like they have their little fanfare, and I was like, it's the fucking Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really, yeah. And yet we're all like prisoners to them. Ratings are actually down, which I think is partially due to the fact that you can stream, and partially due to the fact that just like People there's just been attrition that. across television period right yeah, like you didn't have ads every two seconds i imagine well right yeah. like it's unbelievable and part of that is too just due to the fact that people our age don't like ads which i think interests me a little bit because like if you grew up watching any sports i mean nbc's ads are ridiculously excessive but watching a sport you are going to have ad breaks because the athletes have to stop at some point like and this is in america at least this is how it works we have advertisements but like clearly our age group has just decided that ads are bad and we can't endure them ever. So I'm not sure how that continues with television because unless we all pay a lot more for it, but this is the problem with all content that we cannot solve right now. So moving on to the actual sports content, which we have thus far elided aside from all of these problems, which are myriad. I love the Olympics. I love the sports. It's kind of one of those things where you just have to be like, many of many aspects of this are terrible, but I don't care. <laughs> like, I feel like that kind of covers like most of the stuff we discuss in this podcast. Because yes. while I'm not like, a sports fan, I'm intimately familiar with loving stuff that's like a corporate hellhole, yeah. uh, produced entertainment that's secretly damaging the world in many ways, but has like a core of inspiration behind it. That's like all of Hollywood. <laughs> right. So I get and, it. <laughs> in particular, like I've spoken to so many people who. I've just been like, this year is terrible. I hate the presidential election. I'm just going to fucking watch the Olympics I for two weeks. I just need to watch someone jump really high. <laughs> right. Like, not think about anything. And, like, I understand this. I understand this a lot. Also, the Olympics are basically just, like, wall-to-wall men crying for two weeks. Some some very high-quality female tears also, which I appreciate. But, like, there's a lot of men crying. And I, I love the sports men crying. Like, that's the best. Like... <laughs> It is great. It started off with uh, the American men won the 4x100 freestyle relay, I believe, on like the first day of swimming. And they were all, so it's like four guys up on the metal like, podium. And it's like uh, Phelps and then two other swimmers who've done this before, like, you know, multiple times. And then one really young kid who's like 19 maybe and the other three of them are clearly like emotionally you know they're moved and this kid is like literally if you if you watch over the course of the anthem he just like increasingly breaks down more and more until he is full out just like ugly crying and the other three haven't noticed at all because they're like having their own moment like appreciating the national anthem and then they all kind of look over at him when it's done and he's sitting there like full out like gone and i was like oh man this footage is going to exist 
forever. You will never escape the <laughs> Oh, but it's great. It's excellent. All the all the tears are good. Um, but yeah, it was Michael Phelps's last Olympics. Everyone is kind of like desperate for it not to be his last Olympics. All the commentators, all his fellow swimmers. But I actually do think it is going to be the last one. I mean, obviously he was already at the point where it's like there are no more worlds to conquer. But he's really at that point now. Like he has enough. He could just like make a house out of his gold medals. And also, <laughs> it's fundamentally not super interesting to spend another four years constantly swimming all day. And he has a baby. So Yes. Yes. And actually, I think I said before, he has 23 medals. He has 23 gold medals and 28 medals total. So that's really a lot of, of medals. Um, but what I what it was was that, like, in Beijing, he swam eight races and won a gold medal in all of them. And then in London, I don't remember what the exact number was, but he underperformed by his own estimation and by everyone's estimation. We had all gotten used to him winning everything, and he didn't. And he was clearly very disappointed in himself. He says now he, he didn't train enough leading up to that, whatever that means. And I think was really sort of dissatisfied. And after that, there was some bad behavior with some weed and some DUIs and et cetera, et cetera. And I think this was basically him being like, fuck you. I'm still the best. I'm going to win a fuckload of gold medals. And he did five races and got, or six races and got five golds and one, silver and so i feel like now he can kind of be like that's right i'm better than everyone else like he i can go back to sleeping in a regular bed instead of a hyperbaric <laughs> chamber <laughs> which is just I, wow my favorite michael phelps fact just because okay so what happened is like morgan sent me there was this ad for under armor because obviously they all have like a ton of commercials and i watched this and i was like okay there's a scene where Michael Phelps, in the middle of this inspirational fan vid, is going into this Tron coffin that looks like an MRI machine. And I was like, this looks like an oxygen chamber. And Morgan was just like, that doesn't, I'm not sure about that. And I was giggling it. I was like, there's literally like an interview from like 2012 or something where like Michael Phelps is talking about how he sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber that makes it like his body think that he's 9,000 feet above sea level or something. And it improves his, his lung capacity is already like double the size of a normal human, literally. The picture just made it look like it was just like a kind of a room made of glass with his bed in it inside his normal room. Either this commercial built like a sci-fi contraption to make it look cooler or he's like upgraded and he's got like a new cool like multi-millionaire coffin and i did look right. it up and there was like some other athlete who like also had a hyperbaric chamber that literally looked like something from alien because it was just like it was a capsule where you lie on your back and then there's like a section around your head that's glass so you can look out and the rest of it's just like a metal tube <laughs> and that's where you sleep because it like improves your body through whatever maybe possibly i mean he also does the thing with the suction cups which is like that's not science but sure Right. Um, if it makes you feel better, that's just fine. Yeah. Whatever. I'm pretty sure you would... can't put a baby in a hyperbaric chamber, though. Well, right. Like, what does his wife feel about the hyperbaric or fiance at the moment? Like, I would love to know. If I were getting married to Michael Phelps, I probably would be like, you can sleep in the hyperbaric chamber. I will be sleeping in a room with normal oxygen. So <laughs> you can decide what you want to do, right? Like, that's knock yourself out. It is, it's interesting though, because everyone, like, he's obviously a crazy person. Like, obviously, like, I mean, all of these people who do things, sports like this to that extreme extent have some kind of, like, weird psychological thing going on. But 
the sort of argument that everyone's made is obviously he's the best swimmer of all time. His individual medal count when he won his 13th beat, he bested Leonidas of Rhodes, who previously had the record from like 1052 BC or something. I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, but, uh, like, the argument, I guess, would be, like, he's just so addicted to it that he can't stop. But I feel like he's now gone out on top, right? Like, he is, because he said he was done after 2012, but I think he was just, like, in a bad mood about it. But now he is so completely just solidified all of it, right? Like, he, it's, you know, great, good job. And, and has the wife and baby and now can figure out, like, what the fuck else he wants to do with himself and his gazillion dollars for... And just rest. make every future generation of swimmers feel inadequate. Right, exactly. Like I can't. Because it's like ma- whoever wins next time, it's kind of like, well, sure, you won, but. <laughs> yes. Well, this is also what like one of the things I find the most fascinating about the Olympics, and this is something that interests me in sports in general, but the Olympics specifically. And we can talk about this more when we move on to the um, gymnastics. But like, you peak so early, right? Like Michael Phelps is thirty-one years old. And I have been watching him swim for 12 years, you know, and he's old. He's an old man at 31. Right. And again, and he's lucky because he's got like a gazillion dollars. Yeah, there's loads of Olympic athletes. Who, like they don't even have an income. You know, they like right. basically have to be unemployed. And it's just like, it's, it's always been fascinating to me to think that it's particularly because the Olympics only happen once every four years and there's such a small window for so many of these people. Like, he's really an aberration that he's been in the Olympics five times. Most of them do not get to do that. And then when you're done, you're so young and m- many of them have not really gotten a proper education, although a lot of Olympic sports do actually, you have to go to college because, again, like, there's no... There's no money, so at least you're in college. But like most, I mean, Brian Lochte has a degree in like sports management, but sure, right? Like they're not doing a ton of work in college, which like is fine, but in in the long term, it's not that useful. But like I was looking up, this was so wild to me. So like my other favorite swimmer, my really like the one I like the best besides like Phelps is kind of the most meaningful because it's been so long watching him. Like I remember watching him in London with my best friend from high school who I've watched the Olympics with forever uh, in her apartment in 2012. And like literally we were screaming at the television when he was like racing. I mean, it's been, it's been a long and emotional journey, but like my favorite really was Aaron Pearsall, who was the best backstroker in the world for a long time. Who's obviously American because if you weren't American, I wouldn't give a shit about him, but I was totally in love with him when I was a teenager and he was like in my mind at that time, like old. And I looked him up because he quit after 2008, like 2010 or something. And he's 33. I was like, 33 is not that old, like by any normal person's (laughs) standards. Right. Like that's, that's still pretty young, but like he quit when he was 27, I think. And he was like an old fogey at that point. The fact that Phelps is 31 and still winning all these gold medals, he's such an aberration. But it was so funny. I was looking stuff up about Pearsall because I was like, what is he doing now? And he seems to be like the only one, because he was very famous also, though not to the same degree, who has not wound up being like a total fuck up. Because so many of them just turn, like, it's, it really messes you up being that famous in such a weird way. Um, and what he is now doing or at least was doing in 2013 was lifeguarding at Newport beach 
because he always wanted to do that when he was a teenager and didn't get to. Oh, that's so chill. Yeah. so chill. What he says is, it's one of the most natural things for me in the world. I want to do this because of the respect I have for the local environment. I feel like I always had something drawing me to being a lifeguard. It's exciting for me. They're all mermaids. They're all mermaids. (laughs) Oh my god, it's just amazing. I always looked up to those guys, he says of the lifeguards at Newport Beach. They love what they do. How can you not dig that? I'm looking forward to this for sure. And the other thing he is doing as of last year is coaching his high school swim team from the high school where he grew up. I was just like, God bless you. That's great. my favorite. I had good taste. Like, just be chill forever. Don't be Ryan Lochte. So, like, like, the only, the only, like athletic thing that I really pay much attention to is uh, figure skating and I always get like really stressed and sad about the figure skaters because obviously it's like every athletic thing it's super punishing to your body but it's also one of the kind of psychologically meaner sports because it's not very fair it's not just like oh I've done a personal best it's like you get judged on your form and stuff and people are quite bitchy and also there's a lot of judgment because especially like for male figure skaters it's not seen as masculine so there's a lot of like weird gender stuff tied up Mm -hmm. in it and there's a lot of like bitchy rivalries. And then once you've like done being a figure skater, your body is really fucked up, but also you've got like useless skills, right? And, right. You've, and you've been surrounded by assholes for like years and years. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously the best thing in the Winter Olympics forever. But like, do you remember? I think it was Jeremy Abbott, wasn't that his name? Oh, yes. Jeremy, Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> nice man. <laughs> Who was like paying his own coach. Because he didn't have sponsorship. I was just like, yeah, I'm really in debt and I don't have a college degree. Yeah, so, so. Like, Jeremy Abbott was like one of the American solo skaters. And yeah. there were other ones who were kind of more well-known. He's like the slightly less glitzy one. Yeah. And then he like won and it was very satisfying. No. Or no, wait a minute, he did really well and it was really, I've forgotten what no. was he won. What happened with Jeremy Abbott for Jeremy, if I'm remembering his name correctly, his last name was definitely Abbott, um, was that he made it to the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, and he fell catastrophically. No, I'm it talking was like, about sushi. I know. He fell catastrophically in Vancouver, and it was terrible. And so he stayed for Sochi. And he's won U.S. Nationals a couple times. He's an absolutely beautiful skater. He's not as powerful as Evan Lysacek, who's the other, who was the other sort of top U.S. skater. But he's just so graceful, beautiful to watch. But, like, has problems with pressure. And he made it to Sochi, and he did the exact same thing. He fell catastrophically and did not get a medal. And we get this. Did I, maybe like, I'm only remembering the part where I was really happy for him because he'd done well part of it. You know, this is, this is the thing, right? So there was this thing, like, towards the beginning of the Olympics when, like, NBC was explaining why all their programming was absolute garbage. And they were like, look... Women don't care about who wins, women care about the narrative. And I'm like, that's so incredibly misogynist, except in my specific case where it's literally true. <laughs> no, I think what maybe happened was, oh, I think what it was was that he completely fucked up the short program. So in skating, for those of you who don't know, like um, they're, they break into two sections. You have to do a short program where there are a bunch of technical elements that everyone is required to do. And there's a long program, it's called free skate. And you get to sort of do whatever you want, although you still have to do hard stuff. Um, and I think what he may have done in both cases was completely like fuck up the short program to such an extreme degree that there was no way he was going to medal and then do really well in the free skate. And we were both just like, why? Like, 
why are you doing this? Meanwhile, Evgeny Plashenko, of course, won a medal. And we were just like, life is injustice. Like, <laughs> Evgeny Plashenko winning his 97th <laughs> medal. <laughs> yes. So many, so many amazing stories. Um, so God only knows what Jeremy Abbott is doing now. I hope he is not deep into debt. He's still skating professionally. No! No! Jeremy, get a job. <laughs> oh, that's really tragic. I mean, he's, again, like, beautiful skater. He gets like, stage fright is the problem. Which is kind of I, a key issue if your entire job is performing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just, oh. Um, but speaking of people who do not get stage fright, let's move on to the gymnastics. Yes. And Simone Biles. Yes. Who is uh, America's sweetheart right now. I was really impressed that America decided to award her with Zac Efron. I think <laughs> you just gave her Zac Efron as a prize. I mean, yeah, as a tribute, yes. Um, she is so amazing. Like, it's really just remarkable. The whole gymnastics team is women's gymnastics team, I should say. The American men's gymnasts did not perform well in Rio, which is a bummer for them. They did not perform well in London either. Oh, well. Uh, but the women's gymnastics team was the most, like, highest meddling female gymnastics team in the history of the Olympics, I think. They did very, very well. Um, in large part due to the fact that Simone Biles won five medals, I think, because she is just so good. Like, oh my god, it's wild to watch. Um, which, in a way, is, like, not dramatic, because she did mess up one of the events, but otherwise you're just like, you're so good that there's no drama here, but also she's so good that it doesn't matter, because you're just like, I'm in awe of watching you do this. Like, that's great. Um, and then our second best girl, uh, Allie Raisman, who is, again, like an old fogey at 22, which disturbed me even when I was pretty young. I think the idea that you could be that young and then you've peaked. That's it. Like, what else are you going to do? I have no fucking clue. But she also was totally amazing. And they're all just, like, so cute and young. Like, occasionally you get audio feed of them, like, the whole team walking around together. And they're all just, like, chattering away and chattering away. Like, they're such teens. I was like, oh, my God, you're so young. Like, I'm so old. This was my main experience of the Olympics this time. Was Like, like they're all younger than me now, except, like, Phelps and Lochte. And I was just like, no. Like. <laughs> Morgan no. is 26. I know. I'm not old, but, like, this is, like, they, all the, like, new swimmers are, like, 20. Katie Ledecky, the other sort of, like, top American love swimmer. is her. I love her. I love her. But she also does not seem like she's 19, though. She seems like she's much older, which is probably because she was in the Olympics last time. But it is just wild to think about all these people. Who are that age. Obviously, I love literally all of Leslie Jones's output on the internet, but there was just yeah. this one really amazing kind of like little Twitter video she did of like Simone Biles where she's just like, I've never been this young and bouncy, I don't even remember. Like, It wasn't Simone Biles, it was Lori Hernandez, who is the youngest, I think maybe actually there are two who are 16. Oh, okay. Lori Hernandez is the one with the huge the like... The only one I can recognize is Simone Biles. 
Yeah, so Lori Harnan is, has, like, really curly hair and these huge anime eyes. Yeah, and she is so cute. I mean, they're all cute, but, like, Lori Hernandez is the one who I would immediately describe as, like, cute. Like, that's the first word. That, I will find this video that Leslie Jones made out of her million Olympics tweets because she literally, it was, she was just like, I literally do not remember being this young. Like, I don't, rec-, and I was like, I, it's... That's Most of us are never this young. <laughs> right. Like, I'm only 10 years out of that, and I don't remember either. Like, it's just, oh, my God. And they're so good. They're so good at doing all these things that none of us could ever do, and they're 16. But, yeah, Simone, so great. Zac Efron loves her. She loves Zac Efron. Great job, America. A+. Plus. Poor Gabby Douglas was having to put up with oh the other God. end of the garbage, where it's like when the media sours against you for arbitrary reasons. So, like, obviously mm-hmm. Gabby Douglas was, like, a huge star last time around, which I do remember. And this time she didn't do as well. And she had, like, an incredibly sportsmanlike attitude towards it and was dealing with it really well. Yes. Until, like, the press coverage just was terrible. And obviously I was only seeing, like, a fraction of it. She was being criticized for, like, not putting her hand on her heart during the national anthem, which was, like, such pure, obvious racism. Michael Phelps was just, like, you know, flipping a coin during the national anthem or something. Because it's like, look, they all have to sit through the national anthem, like, a million times a day, and sometimes they have tired arms. Don't, it doesn't matter. It, like, literally doesn't matter. But she was having to deal with this, and she was getting, like, pushback, and at one point she was, like, crying on camera like you could see her crying in the background of like a like one of the competitions and some u.s official went and gave her a tissue but then just like left her and it was like this is so brutal <laughs> i mean it was so nonsense especially now that everyone's like laughing about ryan lochte which is kind of fair like ryan lochte is ludicrous but if that's really not an equitable uh response to yeah these i mean there's things, been, right? there's been like, like a lot of coverage about kind of sexist and racist attitudes that get highlighted like the main one is like when women have really impressive achievements at the olympics and then it's all like well done to her coach slash husband or when some fiance comes along and like proposes to someone when they're about to get a medal oh my it's like God. let her have her moment <laughs> well also like nbc so like my friend and i sort of joked at the very beginning of the olympics we were like how many times are they going to show like a puff piece about a baby and then like a couple days ago we're like, we really wish that we had actually kept track because, oh my fucking God, there are so many fucking babies on the Olympic coverage. And you and like, like they, babies. Like, <laughs> but like they, and they did show like, they did talk about Michael Phelps' baby and like they've made it actually a huge deal about Michael Phelps and the baby, but almost all of them it has to do with women who have had babies and yet are still athletes like yes obviously it's like a lot of physical work you have to do like very impressive kudos to you but the amount of airtime devoted to that it's like you need to chill to calm down it's not impossible or or like the most insane achievement of all time to like procreate it's actually more impressive to win a gold medal which is what these women are here to actually attempt to do. But this is back to their sort of like, we're trying to appeal to women with this coverage. And so it has to be schmaltzy. It's like, it's fine. I mean, I've read, I've read a couple of like really interesting articles about gender presentation with athletes, which is kind of one of the things I always find really interesting in the way that you see coverage. So like one of them was about the kind of backlash against 
not trans athletes but women athletes who are either have more testosterone in their bodies or are, like perceived to have more testosterone yes. in their bodies like the most famous of which was Castor Semaya who she was at the Olympics like four or eight years ago but like there was a big case about like people were complaining because they were like she has too much testosterone in her system and also but also like she did not present like a feminine appearance I was reading this article, like, I kind of was under the impression from my distant position that there was some, some like, actual, like, scientific proof had been given that proved that testosterone in her body had somehow changed her performance. But apparently, like, any test that they, like, forced her to do against her will during this competition years ago hadn't actually concluded anything. And there was, like, no sign that, like, naturally occurring testosterone makes any difference anyway. And it was just people panicking out of lack of knowledge because they were getting panicked about gender roles. And then, like, on the kind of more obvious surface level, like, the fact that all these athletes have to wear makeup and, like, so the people who are doing all the kind of, like, synchronized swimming, they shellac their hair with gelatin every day to make sure it's all solid. You, like, paint this layer of gelatin over the top and that's what you stick your sparkles onto. And, like, obviously all of the gymnasts have to wear, like, a fuck ton of, like, pancake makeup over their whole face. And of course, it's, none of this, nuts. it's just, it's just so nuts. Well, what's funny is like a lot of the track and field athletes clearly, cause like you can't, so like the swimmers have to like shave their entire bodies, right. And like pump, stick the, their hair under the caps. Like they often get like cool manicures and stuff, but it's, you're very restricted in what your body can look like because of the speed. But the track and field athletes, you can kind of wear your hair however you want, whatever. And a lot of them will often, get like really cool like nail jobs or whatever and i think it's kind of neat but like you don't have to and many of them also don't like you see a range there because it's optional gymnastics is not same and like they have to wear i mean leotards are like sparkly and like look cool but it's like why can't they have like pants i mean i saw something about like the increase in the number of rhinestones each year and it was like you know there was like before they were like we had like 400 rhinestones and this year it was like oh we had like seventy thousand rhinestones in each of the american uniforms this year and it was like why (laughs) those are worth like a like 1200 bucks piece those uniforms or the the like leotards the gym square like it's nuts and they have to also like there was a good new yorker piece about this i'll link to also like the expectation that the women have to like, like smile and present themselves in the really sort of like put together, like feminine, like nice way, which the male gymnasts, like they still have to do the thing where they kind of like raise their arms and like salute and whatever, but that's not, it's not the same. Like it's it's work. It's really hard. And there's a level of gracefulness that you have to achieve, but it's not the same thing for the men at all. But because the women have to, it's such a total level yeah. stand. Like, the whole situation with figure skating, where, like, all of yes. the, like, women have been, like, penalized for doing, like, masculine moves and, like, not appearing feminine enough. And, like, a lot of that ties into, like, race as well. And yeah. The costumes you wear. And then, like, the male ice skaters. Like, the kind of the heyday of the figure skating, like, rivalries ever a generation was like Evan Lysacek and Johnny Weir. Oh my god. Johnny Weir was the campest man ever and it was awesome because it was really by the standards of ice skating it was like quite punk rock and then Evan Lysacek was just like this full sort of like I love to talk about protein shakes athlete with no personality who like wore a plain black costume and like was given all these sound bites to repeat that were kind of like subtextually homophobic but in a way that you couldn't actually argue with because it was about sports. Right, and he was like a Disney villain robot who yeah. just did like the same. I mean, he was an amazing jumper. He was like, he was very good. Yeah, but he just like just executed like jump after jump after jump, no artistry, 
which is all, I mean, it's way too complicated to get into figure skating scoring, but, like, they enabled that. They fucked themselves. But it was very much just like, ugh. And he meddled, and Johnny Weir didn't, which was a whole, yeah. a whole scandal in 2010, which we will not relitigate. But, oh, yes. <laughs> sports. Sports. There's always some scandal at the Olympics. More in the Winter Olympics than the Summer Olympics. The Summer Olympics, you've got more stuff that it just, like, you know, Swimming is just speed. <laughs> I mean, the Summer Olympics had their scandals. Like, there was, um, uh, like, one of the women's diving partnerships where you have two divers. Um, the one that placed last. Um, it was because the night before, um, one of them had, like, sexiled the other one from the hotel room they shared. So she was like, oh, I'm gonna fuck in the hotel room. And the other one was like, are you fucking kidding me? And they had, like, a huge fight. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so amazing. I Which is not... also, like, it's quite hard to side with the one who was like, I'm gonna use our communal hotel room for sex on the night before with the most important night of her career. Like, what are you doing? No, Find I somewhere think else. in fact impossible to side with that person. Like, <laughs> what? Oh my god. Yeah, there, there are always some, some truly amazing <laughs> stories. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's about it. I mean, I could go on, but I will spare all of you. I think we are going to do another episode on Monday. I think we are going to talk about crazy Hollywood projects this week instead of a movie because we don't have time to watch movies. Yeah. Rather than one specific movie, we're going to talk about several upcoming movies, which I, I'm hoping you'll be very excited to hear about because like Morgan and I follow a lot of upcoming Hollywood news and currently a lot of that news is inexplicable. Like, for yes. example, the Tetris movie. Right. Or rather, the Tetris trilogy. It's a trilogy. Oh, baby. It's a trilogy. <laughs> the story was, like, too great to fit into merely one film. Yeah, yeah, I mean, how could you cover all of that prime narrative material with just 120 minutes? You can't. It's it's too complex. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And then we'll be back with some more movies the week after, which we will tell you about in a few days. Thank you for enabling me, Gab, and also our listeners to talk about the Olympics. If you enjoyed this podcast, as always, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or review on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. It's how we find new listeners. Otherwise, you can find us on overinvestedpodcast.com, at Twitter at overinvestedpod, or on Tumblr at overinvestedpodcast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.